Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, hello, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships, especially in midlife. And today, I am really excited to be speaking with colleagues, friends, dating and relationship coaches, and a married couple, Antia and Brody Boys, and they're going to be talking about how to overcome your trust issues. Trust is a huge issue for a lot of people in the dating world, and this is a really important topic, so I can't wait to hear what they have to say. But before I bring them on, I just want to say that for the past 11 years, I have been a love and women's empowerment coach, helping women over 40 enter into the best relationships that they've ever had and find the man of their dreams. The secret is that they found their own value first. And as I grow and advance the Woman of Value movement, I plan to support women even further by giving them accessible tools to teach other people how to treat them and by showing them how valuing themselves is simply not negotiable in life, in love, and at work. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become a woman of value, and this week's tip is adapt a positive mindset. Your mindset is everything, and I'm sure Antia and Brody will agree with me on this, because if we have a positive mindset, we can accomplish pretty much anything. If you have a negative mindset, you can have the same experience of events that happen in your life, and it can turn out completely differently based on how you see it and what you do because of that. So I am a big believer in positive mindset, in having a growth mindset. So you look at every struggle as an opportunity for growth, whether it's in your love life or in your work life. We can learn and grow from every single thing. And before I bring on Antia and Brody, I just want to give a shout out to my private Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date. If you're not yet a member, what are you waiting for? Join us. Um, It is a really amazing group. It's about 2,600 women strong. And it's for women over 40 who are single or in a relationship and want to really have the best relationship they can possibly have. These are women who are growth-oriented, who want to move forward and not stay stuck. This is not a place for man-bashing, for negative mindset, for being unkind in any possible way. It's a very heavily monitored group, so come join us and join the conversation. And now for our special guests. Antia and Brody Boyd have been helping thousands of successful single women all over the world for over a decade to magnetize the man of their dreams as soon as they can without fear, disappointment, or continuing to stay stuck and alone. Antia studied personality psychology at UC Berkeley. Brody has a degree in communications and interpersonal relationships, and they've been an international keynote speaker on hundreds of stages, TV and radio shows all over the world, such as Google, Harvard, America, Trends TV, and Good Morning San Diego. They want you to get married next. So join me now for episode number 319, Learning to Trust Again with Antia and Brody Boyd. Or the Bro- what are you, Brody Meister? Brody Meister. 
<laughs> the Brody Meister. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you, Bobby. Glad to be here. Hello, hello. Yes, thank you. So let's get into. I always like to start with why you do this work. What inspired both of you to get into this work? Ah, thank you so much for having us, Sandy. And you know, I always say, yeah, right now everything is really amazing and peachy, and I have the man of my dreams who loves and supports and cherishes me. But of course, it hasn't always been that rosy for me. And so, I personally, in case the listeners can't identify my accent, I grew up in Eastern Germany in a household to an emotionally unavailable mother. And what that meant was that I wasn't loved the way I needed to. I wasn't given a hug. I wasn't told, I love you, right? And so as a consequence, I made sure that I don't bother anyone, right? Because I remember when I was 18 months old and I tried to crawl into my mom's bed and, you know, because I'm 18 months old, right? And, uh, and she crawled over and she said, which means don't bother me. And see mm-hmm. what we're doing in life. We're all having one identifying story that we're into our dating life. And I literally took that particular sentence into my dating life. Don't bother me. And now what I did was I developed a coping mechanism. And I made sure I don't need anyone. I miss independence. Went grocery shopping by the time I was eight years old by myself. And worst mm. of all, was priding myself in that. And so you can imagine, fast forward 10, 10 years or so, you know, I started to attract a lot of men who were also then mirroring that exact same pattern back to me had that my mom exuded towards me, meaning I was attracting emotionally unavailable men who also made me feel like, don't bother me. So what mm. happened is, you know, I always say, if you want to experience massive shifts and massive results, you got to take massive action. And one massive action I took after years of going through that roller coaster is I got myself out of Germany into UC Berkeley, studied personality psychology, and with that also any other workshop, seminar that you, I could get my hands on, really, anything around dating, romantic relationships, understanding men, just to get out of this debilitating pain that I was carrying around with me for so long. I mean, I was single my entire life. I was never in a long-term relationship. And and would kind of like help a little bit. I started to attract more quality men. Um, and I was even helping women in little support groups to attract the right men for them, no matter what age they were. But it wasn't happening for me until I hired a one-on-one mentor for myself who helped me to break through what I call my vulnerability threshold. And once mm. I broke through that, and we'll go into that a little bit today too, within just a couple of months, I met this amazing Brody Meister here right next to me. <laughs> so he was my first boyfriend really and, and became also my husband. Mm. Wow. I love this story because you told it so well, like the whole trajectory from your childhood to your aha moment to finding love and what it took. And it is a massive shift, um, but it's so mm-hmm. clear. Like here's where it started. Here's where it went. Here's where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful. 
Bernie, yeah. and, what, what say yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and my story, real briefly, was very similar to Anche's, actually, and I grew up in a household with a controlling mother and really telling me what I could do, what I couldn't do, and so I felt very trapped, and I didn't want to be controlled by a woman ever again, really from an early age, and so my heart really closed off. Um, and she also took the power away from my dad as well and really controlled him. So I didn't have great men- masculine role models growing up. So when I got into my dating, I was what you might call an emotionally unavailable man or an avoidant man. And so I wasn't very um, emotional. I wasn't able to open up a lot. And so when I attracted relationships, I got in my first relationship. It it wasn't a great relationship. I mean, we were together for two and a half years uh, in college, but then eventually she ended up leaving me because I wasn't able to give her what she really needed. So um, fast forward, and she broke up with me, and I was very devastated by that, actually, and I ended up entering the deepest depression of my life, and I was severely depressed, and then one day I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to never have to feel this way ever again, and I started my journey, similar to Antje, of studying everything I could get my hands on in relation to dating and relationships and how to be the best man I could be and how to understand the whole process. And so I started being able to open up my heart and I started uh, working myself and went to lots of workshops as well, spent over $10,000 on all these different trainings and workshops just like Ancha did and eventually hired my own one-on-one mentor as well. And he helped show me what I was doing wrong, what I needed to do differently and walked me on the path. And eventually I was able to open up and be my best self. And I tracked, uh, tracked amazing, amazing, Antia <laughs> into my life. And, uh, but nobody would know what that means. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of pet names for each other. But, um, yeah, so then we, we actually were able to connect and, uh, and it actually was able to work out this time because I had done the work on myself. And, and we actually met at a, at a workshop in uh, Hawaii. So that's like also why we do a lot of events and different things, uh, workshops for singles, because we really believe in that. But we, we met at a workshop and ended up, we were both living in Hawaii at the time and uh, ended up that night also kissing under the Hawaiian moon, which was really nice and romantic. And I told her that night that I met Antia, I said, you're the girl from my story because I had written a list of exactly what I wanted my ideal woman. And that was her. And I told her that I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. And then, um, yeah, and the journey continued from there. Oh, I also told her we have a huge responsibility to humanity that night because I could feel that together, once we came together, we were going to be doing great work in the world also and impacting other people's lives. And, of course, that's what it ended up turning out being is we ended up working with a lot of singles who struggled like we did and helping thousands of singles all over the world to find love and get married. And, uh, yeah, so that's really why this was such a passion for us. And this became our life purpose is to help as many uh, single women as we can to really attract that kind of love and uh, support into their life with a long-term relationship. Hmm. Well, your story is, is inspiring as well. And, and it's, it's fascinating because without both of the work that you, the work that both of you did, you would never have connected. I mean, it just wouldn't have happened. Mhm. Mhm. Totally. Yeah. We would have just pushed each other away or sabotaged yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Had Mm-hmm. trust issues running ourselves or just fear of the past and fear of rejection, all those different things we had to break through to, to attract each other. Yeah, so that For brings sure. me to trust. <laughs> Let's talk about the topic of the day. Yes. It is so hard for people to trust again. And I see, like we had somebody in my group this week or last week who 
was trying to set a boundary because of a past experience, but the boundary came across as a wall, as, you know, I've got big balls, and you can see that now because I speak up for what's important to me. You know, it was like, whoa, back down, girl. You are, <laughs> you're not even giving this guy a chance. And, and, and I saw, like, all the women in the group were saying, you're right, he's a jerk, leave him. And I came in with, you know, hey, wait a minute. What if he wasn't a jerk? What if you spoke to him in a kinder way and saw who he really was? So, you know, that lack of trust so often leads us to make very harsh choices and or, or put up such a big wall that we don't even allow love in. So let's, let's hear from you. What do you see as the biggest trust obstacles to overcome? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go first. Um, so the biggest thing is, you know, there has to be a willingness to let go of control. You know, one thing I always tell my single women is, you, you know, your ability to trust to is directly proportional to your ability to be wrong. So as long as you're attached to wanting to be right, right, meaning your filters and your patterns that you've unconsciously created for yourself, right, and all those masks that you project onto men, like he's a jerk, or see there, there's the proof that he's unreliable, or right, um, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, you know, you won't be able to break out of it, right? And then you will perpetuate your trust, um, your trust problems because somewhere inside of ourselves, this is what I really believe, it's like we know that, that that's not the truth. Like unconsciously we know that it's a guess, right? But we're having that guess and we're holding on to it for life because we need some level of certainty, specifically the, the really anxious women that I work with, right? So in other words, they would rather create like, like a disastrous outcome, but they have certainty about it than like being in the unknown and maybe even have like a wonderful experience. And a man like Brody who tells them, you know, like you're the woman of my story, right? But if that doesn't match the experience, they're like, no, 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 no this, this can't be right? There's no way, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't fit into my story of reality. So I think that's like a, a big piece that actually the women, what they want and, and, and what they actually then, you know, really willing to uh, accept, I would say, is actually very different and it actually contradicts itself quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's it is very difficult to give up that control. And again, we go back to childhood experiences and controlling what you can when you felt out of control so much in your life. I mean, it's complex. Yeah, absolutely. And I would tell you, because I'd love, like, part of us is really about being transparent, is when I met Brody, it wasn't like, oh, my God, he told me I'm the one, you know, which I should have said mm-hmm. that, right? But my system was like, no, 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 we used to like drama and wondering and questioning and, you know, intention. And because my system, not me, but my system didn't experience that, I was actually resisting him. You know, I was thinking, mm-hmm. there's got to be something wrong with him. He's too skinny. He's too young. He's too busy, right? Because when we see like, okay, something is like outside of our realm of acceptance, right, for our system, we'll, we'll come up with some excuse. We'll just project something onto it. Um, where we say, where women say, I'm too picky, right? 
and that's like a projection from what it is for them. But in reality, for me, was my system was, you know, my ego, really, that part of me that wanted to stay independent and safe was freaking out because it didn't know if I would be safe because I had never experienced a man who was that upfront with me who not only told me I'm the one for him, but also was consistently following up with me, not in an obsessive way, in a very congruent way, about twice a week, and not like long text messages, but one quick call and then meeting in person. I mean, all of that, my system was not used to that at all. I wasn't used to a man mm -hmm. respecting me and pursuing me in such a fashion. So I had to reject right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like, Love, because love is that what your system is used to, the drama and all the, the mm -hmm. disrespect. And, and mm -hmm. it's, um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, this is definitely a problem for a lot of people who aren't used to people being kind and really liking them for all the right reasons. Um, there are, of course, people who love bomb and like people for all the wrong reasons and, and are just using their egos to manipulate, and you have to know the difference. Yeah, 100%. And the other piece, too, because I mentioned in the very beginning, vulnerability threshold. And so what it was for me, and really I want you to mention some of it, too, because you're, you were part of that story and experiencing it. But um, that it depends on where your vulnerability threshold is. So mine wasn't really high, meaning, you know, I wasn't really known that I, I wasn't really used to feeling so worthy and receiving so much attention and love. And so Therefore, I had to sabotage it because that was the ceiling for me, right? And so once I hit the ceiling, I had to get back to the floor. And so that's mm. what we're doing with our system. We're just staying in that particular realm versus like really breaking through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, vulnerability is such a big piece of this. And instead of being vulnerable, we put up those walls. So it's, um, yeah. it's such a deep, deep part of what connects us to people on an intimate level. Mm -hmm. Big, big, yeah, important absolutely. stuff. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and with trust, we're talking about, what do you want to say something? Okay. Um, with trust <laughs> about like building like self-trust, right? So we're always saying like, I can trust this person, but it's also if you can trust yourself because you're actually not being authentic, right? So let's say, I have lots of women who come to me, and in the first call that we're doing, they're telling me a horrific story that, you know, they got sexually abused or that the mom, you know, was never available for them and they had to take care of themselves. And then afterwards, which is so sad and heartbreaking, and then what happens afterwards, Sandy, is they laugh. Mm. And, and there's really nothing to laugh about, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's that contradiction inside of themselves. Right, that's like where that lack of trust is coming from. Because if I feel sad, but yet I'm laughing to the outside world, then I can't trust myself because I know I'm not really communicating how I really feel to the outside world because there's so much judgment around it mm -hmm. or fear that I will never be able to get out of it. Yeah, that's that's an important distinction. I think this is this is such a great conversation. Um, I remember meeting so many people who would smile when they were really angry, you know, and, and having conversations mm. like, just stop, you know, be you. But it's, it's 
so distant for so many people to allow their true emotions to come up and even to name the emotions because so many of us had our emotions knocked out of us. I mean, look at you, little mm-hmm. baby crawling to your mother. You know, stop mm-hmm. it. Don't, don't come close. Don't have love. And so mm-hmm. emotions are foreign. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a big part of the work I do is to help people name their emotions, to communicate clearly and confidently and, um, and vulnerably because, if we're not saying I'm really sad right now, instead of you're a jerk, then we're not connecting. We're just accusing. Yeah, absolutely. And then what happens is because men actually live emotionally through us, so when we're, you know, we're allowing them to enter our world, when we're emotionally fully self-expressed, if we're not that, then all they're getting is, okay, something is off. Like something doesn't feel right. I don't know what it is, but I don't really get that access to her, right, that I'm yearning mm-hmm. for. And, you know, when, when the brain is confused, it says automatically no, out of survival reasons. Mm-hmm. So they don't say, unless they're super evolved, which happens once on a blue moon, but they most likely won't say, hey, I'm noticing you're laughing, but I actually thought you're sad because they're still working on their emotional congruency as well right so they're like well maybe i don't know Mm -hmm. maybe i'm off but something doesn't feel right right so that's why Mm -hmm. it's so important as a woman to communicate your emotions in a in a congruent way and that that makes so much more of an impact when you tell i was just talking with another uh, man about that the other day you know that it has such a huge impact when a woman is very congruent in whatever emotions is and it allows the man to to allow him to feel the impact of that emotion because she actually mm-hmm. takes away from when she laughs mm. or when she gets angry, even though there's another emotion underneath because he doesn't feel the impact of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And I'll chime in. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, based on what Auntie said, it's, it's so true, you know, just from a man's perspective, because I've worked with in the last 13 years, I've also worked with thousands of men um, helping them to attract women, but attract the right woman for them. But yeah, I think for men, they, we can just feel when there's something off. Like with a woman that I remember when I was dating before I met Antia with women, it was just, there'd be like something was off and they couldn't feel the woman. I couldn't feel the certain woman that I was dating. And um, I think what happens is also if a woman isn't being in her own authentic emotion and embracing that, then the man doesn't feel safe to embrace his own authentic emotions with her. And that was especially true for me because I had such a closed off heart that it was hard for me to feel safe and, and trust, by the way, is a lot of it is about courage and taking that risk and to be able to open up, which was huge for me. So for me to be able to open up and take that risk, I would need to feel safe that the woman was at least going to be um, available to that. If she wasn't available to her own emotions herself, how could I as a man trust that she was going to be available to my emotions? just wanted to mention that as well from the guy's perspective on the the validity of that. Really helpful to hear from a man. I I always tell women, listen to men, (laughs) Um, because we can talk all we want about how men feel and think, but when we hear it from a man directly, it's just so much more powerful. And especially for a man like you who had been shut down and shut off, the power of a woman who is fully expressed in an authentic way is life-changing for you. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that also, so it's like this ping pong that you then play with your man, right? And then we did um, a shadow ceremony the night before our wedding because we're going back into overcoming a trust issue. So one healing of uh, trust issues is transparency. And the, our shadow ceremony basically consisted of us sharing our deepest, darkest secrets and anything that we were afraid we would be judged for or any fear, really like fears like, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm good enough for you or whatever it is, right? And just speaking to, into all of that and that way actually creating such a deep level of profound trust that then actually we could also trust our what we call the light valves on the actual wedding, right? Because otherwise we wouldn't even really trust that because we knew that there's also that darker side to us, right? And the doubts and the fears and we're like, well, here we are promising, uh, you know, we'll be together forever and all of that. But intuitively and unconsciously we know that there's a lot of other things that could work against that, right? Um, And that could sabotage us. So that's Mm -hmm. the other piece too. It's really bringing that level of transparency. And again, what Bruce said, it's courage. I mean, it's absolutely, it takes courage. Yeah, totally. I love this shadow ceremony. I have to get a drink of water. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Just had a little tickle in my throat. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that we benefit so much by sharing deeply like this. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, it must be important if I'm choking up about it. I know. I was just thinking about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Um, the truth, yes. Right? <laughs> so for people who are not as evolved as you, and they really are struggling with some major trust issues from their past, what's a, mm-hmm. a good way that you recommend that they get started with trying to build trust first within themselves and then with a partner. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think the first piece is to actually just look at um, look at small lies that you've been like telling yourself or someone else, right? So maybe you said, oh, I was five minutes late because of this happened. That wasn't. So look at your white lies, right? Some light, light lies you've been telling yourself or you've been telling someone else. And just start to clean that up because that's really easy to just say, hey, you know, I told you last time, you know, uh, I didn't eat the chocolate, but I did eat the chocolate or something like that, right? Brittany and I were chocoholics, so, you know, that's why I bring that example. (laughs) I want the chocolate um, bar. You know, but that is all marriage. It is really like, you know, I I do say, yeah, I did did eat chocolate, right? So, like, um, because it (laughs) is important to think about the long-term consequences of saying I didn't eat the chocolate, Right, because it's it's not about escaping that. So what's really important for those women is like to lean into that short-term tension versus like that long-term. Like they think they're just thinking so short-term, right? The short-term release of the uncomfort or the short-term release of not having to feel the shame, um, but then not not knowing that that's incredible consequences long-term, right? That really uh, eats literally like cavity, you know on their self-esteem, right? It, it really brings more and more depth to their self-esteem bank account. It's more and more withdrawals from their self-esteem bank account. So I really want them to think about every time when I tell themselves a white lie or tell them, right, not the complete truth. But I even when if a friend says, hey, what's going on, you know, 
oh, I'm good, you know. And I just had a friend on Saturday, and she's like, you know what, I just mentioned, I told you I'm good, but actually there's something that's been bothering me since, like, last year, and we haven't talked about this, right? So those are the moments mm-hmm. where you then make a deposit into your trust bank account, right, into your self-esteem bank account. When you can adjust it, you can say, oh, I noticed I just said I'm good, but actually – and even if you don't know, because I know not everyone is involved, not everyone is aware of all of it, and if you went through some emotional trauma, but you feel like there's something that's not quite right, even if you can just stop and say, hold on, like, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not, I'm not just good. There's something else that's there for me. Let me sit with that. So just in and of itself, that acknowledgement, Sandy, uh, will open up something for, for that mm. particular woman, right? Um, because oftentimes we're so just like, oh, but unless I really know what it is because we don't want to look stupid or, you know, all the successful women I work with, they, they want to be right and they want to, want to be smart and they don't want to just show up and be like, I don't have the answer for it. So that's horrifying for a successful woman like that to say, I don't know what I'm feeling. I just feel hesitation here, but I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, right? That, that's like that first breakthrough to just practice that alone, which is very simple and relatively harmless, right, um, mm-hmm. before you can go into, like, a shadow vows or things like that, right? So I'm a Scorpio. I like to go extreme, right? Go all in or Yeah. But not everyone is like that. So that's a really good first beginning. Do you have anything to add to that, Shaggy? Um How to build trust for the first step? Yeah. Um, building trust, I would say, for me, because, again, I had – a closed off heart and um, even after my breakup, my horrible breakup I had with my first relationship um, and my deep depression, I was really hesitant to get hurt again and to get into a bad situation. So I really didn't trust a lot. I didn't want to be controlled. I didn't want to be trapped. I didn't also want to hurt anybody. So I had really closed off my, my heart. And so what helped me to start trusting again and what I feel can help help a lot of a lot of uh, women who are listening here, if you, you want to start to trust again, you want to start to attract men who are also trustable, is to have that courage to look at your true emotions, what's really there, both the positive and the negative. So really getting present to what do you really want, you know, if anything were possible, because we get so realistic as well. And we see, we choose what we want based on what we've had in the past rather than saying, well, if I could wave a magic wand, if you could wave a magic wand, and if you could really paint any kind of ideal person you want to have, any kind of ideal relationship you want to have, what would that look like? What's your dream? What's your ideal? And start from that place and really get excited about it and see how you want to feel and what activities you want to do with them. Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to go travel the world? whatever that might be for you, get really present to that. And then also look at the negative emotions, how bad it sucks to have trust issues. You know, what is that costing you to have the trust issues to be uh, not opening up with men and be afraid to, to answer their phone call when they call you or whatever it might be to like, really, what is that costing you to not go out on a date, to not go to, um, to a, another event, to put yourself out there and the loneliness, the unhappiness, and to really embrace those emotions too, the uncomfortable, like Ancha was talking about, those, the shadow ceremony that we did before our wedding when we embraced our deepest fears and we told each other what are our deepest fears getting married, 
you know, but what are those uncomfortable emotions? So to really go there and to feel, to trust yourself enough to have the courage to go into those emotions, both the positive and the negative, that I think will build a lot of courage that's going to help to overcome a lot of those issues, the, the trust, and to start to see what you actually want and what it's costing you to be where you're stuck where you're at and to be able to open up enough to say, okay, I'm going to be more vulnerable on this next date. I'm going to share how I really feel, or I'm going to be my authentic self. I'm not going to put up a, a front to try to protect myself as much. You know, a lot of it's unconscious, but just by embracing that, I think you could have more of the courage, which, which again, that's what helped me have the courage to be able to tell Antje, you know, three months after we met each other, that I was starting to have feelings of love for her. You know, that mm-hmm. actually took a lot for me even to just say that. I'm starting to have feelings of love for you. You know, I told her that on the beach uh, one day. And uh, after we've mm-hmm. had, you know, some ups and downs and, um, of course, uh, uh, Ansha had her stuff come up, you know, when we were dating each other, too. And she would, ignored me at a party one night. And there's like a bunch of stuff that we broke through. Um, but, yeah, so that courage is what allowed us both to be open with each other to really connect. So that's what I would recommend as a, as a good starting point as well, to build that mm. courage. These are all great tips. Thank you. And I, I think I want to add one more thing that I, I even see that if we take away the words negative and positive when it comes to emotions, that all emotions are valid um, and to stop fearing the ones that we see as negative because so many people are afraid of anger and afraid of sadness and they bypass mm-hmm. it, um, we mm-hmm. would be a much happier group of people here. Um, and I, I just think that they're all valid and we have to validate them all um, So and express them, you know, and not be afraid because the, the, the cost of keeping our feelings and emotions in is so much higher than the fear of what will happen if we do keep, express them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I always say is why would you settle for one color when you can be the whole rainbow. Mm. And when you think of the whole rainbow, it's like red is not better than yellow or blue or green, right? It's like they all add to each other. They all add to the light. So I absolutely agree with that. Mm, absolutely agree with that. Quote. That's what you said, you know, like it comes from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it we came have... one day and I was like, <laughs> the same thing, right? Yeah. So speaking of great quotes, um, just as we end today on this fantastic conversation, I would love for you to share one last tip on how people can go on their last first date. Okay, I'll start. Uh, One great tip on how you can go on your last first date, I would say is be willing to be willing to face your deepest fear. And I love the quote from Joseph Campbell. He says, the cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. I think it's actually the cave you most fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So what I would recommend Mm -hmm. is whether you're afraid of taking the leap and hiring a coach or you're afraid of um, setting aside the time to really go out and meet new men, quality men, or you're afraid to be wrong. Like Anja said, you're afraid to actually be wrong, that there actually is good men out there, that the story that you might have had of 
there's no good men in my city or all the good men are taken or I'm too old or I'm too this or I'm too that, that actually you're wrong. And the truth is that you can have love and that you can be happy and that there's great men that are waiting for you to just embrace that truth. And so to face those fears, whether they're your internal demons, like the trust issues, or whether it's actually something external like taking action, um, going for it, getting the support that you need, joining community or uh, embracing your new self that's waiting inside that's actually uh, an amazing queenly woman that's ready for any man to be lucky to be with. That's, that's what I recommend. The biggest tip is find out, list what your deepest fears are and start to systematically face those fears and go towards the fears and dance with the fears that you're, not longer, you're no longer afraid. You're actually fully free at that point to have love. Mm. Love it. Thank you. And yeah. Antia? And for me, your, yeah, so yeah. I feel like um, what came to me as really tuning in to what's most needed is to um, really look at, like, what reality would you have to embrace, like, if you found your man today? Like, what are you afraid of? Like, so, for example, if you found your man today, would you be afraid of, oh, my God, I'm so powerful, I'm freaking out. Like, I'm more powerful than I realize, right? And I don't trust that power because um, power has been abused in my household, right? So a lot of times I see those powerful women actually be um, afraid of that kind of power because they have only seen the abusive side of power and not the empowering you know, the, the positive, we don't want to say positive and negative, but like in the uplifting side of power, right? Uh, that you can make huge changes in the world. So that's one thing that I would leave the women with to kind of journal on and to be clear on, like, what is it that they're afraid of would shift for them when they meet their man. Mm, I like that. Afraid of, like Marianne Williamson says, we're afraid of the power that we have, our greatest fears that we're more powerful than we can even imagine. That's, that's the quote. That's the quote, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that one struck me when I was in coaching school. I was like, whoa, I never realized that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. and Auntie and Brody, you guys are awesome. You really model what so many people are looking for, a, a relationship that is supportive and open, honest, courageous, and and creating something together that's even more powerful than you could create on your own. And I know that's what I'm looking for, and I think you've inspired so many. So thank you so much for coming on today. And, um, and let us know how people can get in touch. And if you have a free gift, um, now is the time. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's really about, you know, since when you're tr- struggling with trust issues, you have a lot of conflicts inside of yourself, which, I, which is why I have created my Magnetized for Man Clarity Call. Well, we got crystal clear. What are those particular conflicts? How they're showing up? What are your vulnerability thresholds, I call them? And how can we bring them into alignment so you attract your man quickly? So for that, go to magnetizetheman.com and grab your slot there as long as they last. Yes, magnetize okay. the man like a magnet.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, they'll be in the show notes. And um, and you do beautiful work, so continue to do the work that you do together and in inspiring so many. 
Thank you. Oh, so, thank you, Sandy. Thank you so, so much, Sandy. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Pleasure to have you guys. Yeah. Um, so thanks, everybody, also, for listening in today. And if you love Last First Date Radio, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. And we really appreciate you going on and just taking that extra moment to give us a great rating because that helps other people find us. And uh, we hope that you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.